Hello everyone, you're listening to the Let Us Golf podcast with me, Olivia Botham-Leet-Dakin. This is the show where we chat to golfers from the LET Access series, present and past about life on the tour, the latest news, but also learn more about who they are and their golfing journey. The Swedish swing has come to an end here on Let Us and we've had it all. Delays, cancellations, but more importantly, fantastic golf and individual winners. Big shout out to these individual winners. Manchester Gemma Clues at the Smorham uh, Ladies Open. Amazing golf club. Big shout out to them. She stayed calm and collected to win the freeway payoff and take the trophy and the big winner's check. We then moved next door to Sweden for three consecutive events. The Big Green Egg obviously didn't go as planned. Just brushed past that one. We can't control the weather and it turned against us. But England's Emily Price emerged the best after the one-day tournament to take the win. We then moved to the PGA Championship Gothenburg, where in absolutely spectacular fashion, Chiara Tambellini had the best week of her life. She turned professional the night before the tournament. She got the course record on the second day. She then went on to win her first Lettuce event on 12 under. And then last week, we had history made on Lettuce as Avani Prasanth became the first Indian winner on the tour after a sensational final round of 67. Now I've done that little roundup, um, short and sweet, we move on to one of the biggest events in the schedule on Lettas, the Rose Ladies Open, hosted at Brockett Hall again this year. This tournament boasts the biggest prize fund of the year. It is hosted by one of the biggest golfers, Justin Rose, and his amazing wife Kate, and it is one that has been hotly anticipated by the players. You ask them which tournament they're looking forward to, Rose Ladies Open, most of the time. Unless it's the Swedes, then I'll obviously say the events in Sweden. So who better to speak to this week than the better half of the Roses? Sorry, Justin, but Kate. Kate Rose was the driving force behind the Rose Ladies series events for professional ladies who was created in 2020. And it was intended as a stopgap during the COVID times, but has now enjoyed its fourth successful year this year. Last year, the couple created the Rose Ladies Open on the Lettas which was a resounding success um, and an extension of the Rose Ladies series. Kate's motivation across both the Rose Ladies series and the Rose Ladies Open remains the same. To give female professionals more opportunities to play competitively, provide the chance to compete for larger prize funds, raise their visibility and their exposure they deserve, increase the impact of the women's game and to continue to work towards change and drive for equality so i'm so looking forward to this chat can't wait so let's just dive right in Welcome, Kate, to the Let Us Golf podcast. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thanks, Olivia. Yeah, just uh, getting towards the end of summer holidays with the children, so almost looking forward to the start of term again. It's been a busy summer for you? It has been, yeah. Lots of fun, uh, lots of travel, obviously, for Justin. A uh, bit of golf for us, you know, when he was back in Europe at the Scottish Open and the Open Championships. 
and yeah just trying to keep the kids occupied and entertained while still going on with helping organize what we can for the ladies of the rose ladies series the rose ladies open and the juniors and and all the other bits and bobs we've got going on so it's been really it's been very varied where are you right now are you back in the uk or yeah back in the uk um with justin not surprisingly but we were obviously hoping he was going to make atlanta this week for the tour champ so just missed out on that so it was a bit of a scramble to kind of try and uh, organize a few fun things for him to make it up to him um and obviously just spending a bit of time with the children he's been away for a few weeks now so yeah just a bit of fun well i'm really happy to have you on the podcast to chat about the rose ladies open and the rose lady series and you in general before we speak about this year's event at rocket hall um let's speak about last year and i know you attended um what were your experiences from last year well it was i mean apart from the fact that the sun shone which you could never rely on so that makes everything great um we came to the prime day and the dinner and just did a q a afterwards which um i think was really it was really intimate and lovely um we we saw everybody tee off on the thursday morning um we always like to try and see everybody as much as we can and then on the final day we walked around with the family met, you know met the spectators it's always fun golf tournaments it always amazes me i think people think that if your family people always ask me when i'm watching justin oh do you walk behind the ropes like they're surprised to meet your family and i think yeah do you, i mean of course we do so you always get chatting to people and that's sort of the nice thing in golf isn't it you don't get stuck anywhere you walk a hole two holes you it's very easy going easy free-flowing chat so um yeah meeting people who come out to watch and and then obviously presenting the trophy at the end is always a real highlight um because everyone works so hard and I love seeing people kind of get get the rewards that they've made so many sacrifices for my Leander did a brilliant job so it was great to to see her and we had a nice glass of champagne the 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 course at Brockett Hall is great. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's sort of like this little ferry thing that goes on the last hole across. So we took some champagne across. And, and then that was really lovely because with all the kind of flurrying, just to get that moment of peaceful, OK, chat with her and and she could you could see it kind of sink in. And that, I think those moments are really lovely because it can be quite hectic, can't it? Um, so that was great. And, and it was just a lovely venue. The, the team there are brilliant to work with. Um, we're you know we've got a few years there so we're able to build that that together with the team um we have the same sort of vision of what we want to achieve and I think the the players found it a great test and I mean I always hang around to ask for feedback I'm very open-minded um always want to hear the feedback tend to hover a bit around the score hut um just to see you know what people think um and of course, they're always very positive, but I am always well open, open to hearing all the critiques and things that we can imp- use to improve on year on year. So I do I do push people to give me critiques as well as uh, positive feedback. So, yeah, the, the venue, it was just it was a lovely day. And I think it sort of achieved its purpose in giving the women a great golf course, a great test, you know, um, earning a a decent prize and um, great experience and a bit of exposure. Certainly and I've joined the tour this year so I've never seen Brockett Hall in person but I saw lots of lovely picks last year. Why that course? What kind of made you choose that as the venue originally? So um, our management team and Justin have more input into which course um, than I do because I'm not the golfer so it's more about um, what's going to be 
a really exciting course for the girls to play on and um obviously we have to be able to work with with the team and share the vision and and they they have to buy into what we're trying to achieve in, in providing more opportunities for women here in the UK to play professional golf and and it's a great venue um i mean it's a really beautiful venue it's got accommodation so sponsors and people whoever wants to stay over there can be some some good hospitality opportunities which is obviously important when you're looking at running an event um it's a great location for us selfishly because we're the ones organizing it so there's you know in terms of back and forth and reckies and liaising with the team it's got to be feasible for our team to to get to um with the rose lady series we have tried to branch out as as much as we can i mean it would be amazing to have you know courses in scotland and, and all over the place obviously when things started it was starting because of covid so therefore travel was very limited um and we've tried to sort of broaden things gradually but we we, we are slightly limited from the fact that we have a very small team and, and we're all tra- you know we're all traveling from the southeast but yeah um Brockett hall's been wonderful i'm really looking forward to another couple of years of them you mentioned the Rose Lady series there, and that was sort of the starting point of this whole um, expansion into the Open. I just want to get a sense of how that series came about. You mentioned it was caused kind of by COVID. Well, yeah. So um, when the pandemic hit, obviously everybody was asked to stay home. Justin was home for three months, which I think was more time than he's ever been at home since he was about 12 years old. So... Um, but the PGA Tour did a really incredible job of getting everyone back to work and then it became back to work and and off Justin was about to trot back to America. And there were certain things that changed, you know, no crowds and, and certain amendments. But really, he was pretty much going back to work. And uh, I read a piece in The Telegraph from Liz Young, who's a professional um, on the L.E.T., and she was trying to organise a, a one day roll up for the ladies because they were not going back to work. And and I I read it and I thought it just was so striking the difference between the opportunities and it felt so, so wrong. Um, so I got hold of her phone number and called her that day and said, what's happening? What do you need? What what can we do? What what would you like us to do? And she said they just really wanted some playing opportunities. Um, so I said, well, if we were to not just do a day, but if we were going to do a few days or a series or something, would that be helpful? Would that be stepping on? T- you know, how do I go about organising it? Would you mind if we tried? Obviously, she said, no, please crack on and was you know, always on the phone f- to help and advise. But um, that was really it. It was just one of those real moments where your eyes are open to a massive inequality and we felt that we were in a position to be able to do something to help. We were happy to you know put money into it to make it happen but also from that encourage some sponsors to come on board as well um actually we didn't really encourage that was a really lovely surprise we we um when we made the announcement um it all fell into place really within the first week we got on phone we got on the calls to various golf courses that we thought would be really fun for the girls to get onto everybody said yes there was nobody that wasn't really supportive, really enthusiastic. There was such a, you know, I think sometimes people do want to help. They do want to make help you make changes. But if everyone's busy in their own lives and if it's not in their own sphere of thinking, it just it doesn't occur to people. But if you put an ask out and you say, look, this is what's going on. Can you help us? 
it, the reception is very positive. So we had amazing golf courses. We we announced it within a week, I think, in the Telegraph. Um, and because of that, we then had people that come and say, can we help as well? And that's how the sponsors um, came on board. So we've been really, really lucky to have had basically the same sponsors from the from the first day, which we're really grateful for. And that was a and then we were able to give you know a bit of a better prize fund. But really, originally, it was about giving the ladies some competitive opportunities and also a chance to tell their stories and get their names out and their their brands out. If they had sponsors, then great. They were giving their sponsors some coverage because there wasn't really any other live sport going on. And if they didn't, we were hopeful that it would get their names and stories and faces and images out there to maybe attract sponsors. So it was more about helping them create their own business on the golf course. Um, and then the fact that it became what has become and is still the the Rose Lady series is the biggest um, one day, I think, prize money, regardless of gender. So we're quite proud of that. And um, we wanted to kind of continue trying to push towards more equality um, with the Rose Lady series, with the Rose Ladies Open as well on the on the access tour. So that's sort of the origins of it. Um, originally, it was set up just as a reactive sort of stopgap I think while there wasn't um, a full schedule for the women to play as then the LET schedule came back you know really well we now sort of wait till right till the end of the year until the 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 schedules are announced for the LET and then we try and see how we fit around it because we're not we never wanted to compete with anyone we're just wanting to give a little bit of support where there might be a gap hopefully one day there won't be a gap um, we won't be needed but I think now we've realized there is a tiny little bit of a gap and and, and our and our niche area is sort of that's fitting in the middle to sort of try and create try and continue a pathway for the women to go from juniors to amateurs to you know to professionals to the LET so we sort of consider ourselves a bit of a stepping stone or a springboard yeah yeah and you celebrate the fourth edition this year so it's very much a plan to continue that each year it is now yeah like I said we started off sort of reacting and responding and uh, a couple of years went by where we thought it was just a stopgap um, but the feedback that I always asked the women for was that they really were keen for it to continue and so now we sort of tried to be a little bit more proactive and a little bit more intentional about okay so if we are here to stay what's that going to look like and that's how the the Rose Ladies Open was born and, you know, making plans for a more three year commitment with the sponsors. So, uh, yeah, we without the support of the companies that, you know, have really stood by us from the beginning, American Golf and Computer Centre, BMW and the RNA has been really supportive as well. So so we've been able to create these things with a bit of longevity behind it. who play on them they love the events and that kind of brings us on to the 2023 edition of the Rose Ladies Open starting very soon and I'm very excited for it what are we expecting this year is there anything new happening behind the scenes or during the tournament um yeah I mean I think we, we're always trying to just do some little improvements year on year um in different ways we've got lots of new initiatives this year sustainability is a little bit of one that we're trying to kind of be a bit more mindful about 
So together with Brockett Hall and all of our partners, we're trying to host as much of a sustainable championship uh, for everybody as possible. So on the 13th hole, for example, we're doing trees for birdies, which I, I love this. Um, so any bird, anyone that makes a birdie on the 13th during the tournament will be planting a tree at Brockett Hall, which um, I think is going to be lovely. We've got things like bamboo teas that we'll be giving out to all the ladies to use from our partners. I think Golf Golf 1-8, uh, you know, water fountains for refillable water bottles and things like that. So so that's sort of something that's just a little bit of an aside with the sustainability. Um, we, we've got hopefully more, more spectators because that's obviously really important for the women to to experience that and what we want to give is as much of a professional professionally run tournament so for our junior series we try and give them a bit of a taste of what the next st stage would be and with the rose lady series we try and give a bit of a taste of what the next stepping stone and so with the rose ladies open we want it to feel as much we're trying to emulate an let event as much as possible so just elevate the elevate the crowds elevate a bit of the pressure um so We've got a lot of school children coming along. We're working with the Golf Foundation, so I'm really excited about that because obviously we want to try and encourage grassroots golf as much as possible. So we've got a local school. Um, we've got, I think, 60 primary school children coming out and having some challenges at the Golf Foundation stands. There's a whole day that they get. They have a master class with one of the professionals. Um, and then Justin's going to be giving a, an exclusive clinic to I think 40 junior golf prize winners on the Saturday. So there's those sort of opportunities for the juniors to try and come along and get involved. Um, girl guides are going to be quite involved. I think the Hertfordshire girl guides are joining us in a lot of their activities. They have a get into golf badge scheme, um, which I only learned about recently, which is very cool. And I think that them coming to the tournament, they'll be doing some activities which will be enabling them to finish off their badge activities and they'll be presented with their badges at the tournament. So some really fun, really fun event uh, events going on. And then with the with the women, we've got a couple of groups, um, Ladies Golf Lounge, we've worked with before um, at the Grove, I think this year, the Rose Ladies series event, they're really fun. So they're coming on the Saturday, they'll have hospitality and a Q&A with one of the players. And then another uh, another group of ladies are coming to try and learn golf for the very first time, um, as well as watch the tournament and meet some of the players. That's with I love golf. So really sort of trying to just broaden a little bit um, the net of including people who haven't experienced golf before to come and try it for the first time, watch it for the first time and have a chance to really, really interact. I think that's one of the things that can be most inspiring isn't it to actually meet some of the professionals so and the women all the women that have come and been part of all of our events I have to just you know give some thanks to them because they've been so so involved and so um, amenable to giving back as well you know and that really helps everybody so it's it's been really fun to work with the women as well. I really really love the idea of the birdies for trees yeah, uh, I always like the name of it as well. I'm just hoping we get lots of birdies on that hole now. <laughs> well, I personally love that because we've done this for years um, with Justin Does Birdies for Blessings. And that's the charity that I've been involved. We, we've been involved in for about 20 years in America. It's Blessings in a Backpack. And every Friday, kids who don't have enough food at the weekends, we give the backpack of food on the Friday. That kind of keeps them going over the weekend. They return the backpack. So 
Justin has been doing, doing this, I don't know, over 10 years. I mean, every birdie he makes on tour um, feeds another child for a, for a year at the school weekends. Um, so it kind of, it's always given us, I mean, obviously you always cheer on for the birdies anyway, but it just gives a whole extra meaning to it. And, and, and people get really behind it. Um, and I love it. And it just, it kind of just increases the joy. So yeah, the, the trees I'll be, will hopefully be watching, having a big, a watch of the 13th hole and having an add up at the end of how many trees and then see where they get planted, et cetera. And that'll be, I guess you can see that next year um, when the trees will be planted. So it'd be fun. I think the uh, Girls Guide badge, I didn't even know that existed. Um, <laughs> I, I remember when I was in the brownies and the badges were always like cooking and typical kind of female act, female activities. Um, you never know who might pick up golf from that. Exactly. And that's the whole point, isn't it? That if you don't, if you don't, if you don't see it, it's very hard to dream it. And so it's just getting the vision out there. Not everybody is going to want to be a professional golfer and nor should they but that doesn't mean that golf can't be for them it doesn't mean that recreational golf can't give you years of amazing experiences and and special moments and connections with people on the golf course whether it's with your family because it's something that you can play whether you're a grandchild and a grand uh, grandmother or grandfather or sisters or whatever the combo is um but also business wise and, and connections wise and friendships wise, it's, it can add so much value to people's lives and it can be for your life. You know, it's not a sport where you have to be um, in your 20s or you have to retire by. I mean, I was a gymnast, so I retired at 17. It's a pretty short lived career. Um, golf, something that's lovely because you can just keep going, which um, and I always bang on about this one. But as a mum, it's so close to my heart. But fresh air, time away from screens, walking in nature, you know, all these things we know tick the boxes of helping wellness and your mental health. And that's such an issue these days. And we all see it. I mean, I think we all experience how hard it is to to get to get away from the lure of the screens. And golf is, you know, a long game and it's in the fresh air and you don't see people walking around the golf course with their nose in a in a screen. So um health wise even just for the health and mental mental health benefits it's the more people that can experience that at any level doesn't matter if you whiff it pick up doesn't matter um just enjoy and get out there and give it a go so yeah I'm thrilled about the girl and I, like you I had no idea either I was really excited to hear that that was even that the get into golf badge was out there I think it is a scheme that's unique to the hearts region at the moment but I think that's a brilliant idea and maybe it'll catch on again once other girl guides might see this they might go that's a nice idea and it might expand so that would be fantastic now i put um, a little call out for questions on our socials um and i got a few questions if you're happy to answer them I can try. Um, I got a couple from Jen, one of our players, um, and she said, do you play golf yourself? <gasps> OK, so I am the biggest hypocrite out there. Yes, I don't really. Um, I, and I was laughing. Justin was laughing with me last night because I said I was doing this podcast and he 
He was saying, you must be the most well-known person in golf that doesn't actually play golf. It's ridiculous. He's been trying to get me to play and I, he thinks I'm very stubborn not playing. But it's not that I don't love it. It is more that <laughs> I'm going to try and justify myself now. It's more that I, I felt that it's really healthy for me not to play while he is out there and that's his job. Um, that's my excuse. <laughs> which is running thin very thin I have always said as well though I, I am starting to really want to play because our son plays and I've come to the conclusion this year that um unfortunately daddy is literally never around to play in any of the school um, parent child golf events which now our son's really desperate to be in and this year we had a bit of panic stations because I literally was ringing everybody you know, the grandparents the uncles were away the godfather was who couldn't do it and our son said to me literally the night before, he's like, mummy, it's going to have to be you. You have. And I was so nervous. Cause I thought, oh, God. And anyway, I psyched myself up and was going to play with him with his with the understanding that he's going to have to be really patient. And luckily we got there and, and he should have signed me up, you know, a week before and he hadn't. So we couldn't play. But I did think, right, that's it. I've got to do. I've got to. I can't let him down now next year. Um, let's, So I. I would love to play and I love hitting balls if I ever go down to a range. I mean, I love to hit balls. It might, might only happen once or twice a year, but it's it's a great feeling. And I think the Masters last year was rained off and we all went down to, um, I can't remember the name, you know, the place where it's really fun to hit balls and it's all, um, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it's like gaming, but hitting balls. And so we all went down there in Augusta. I mean, people are the thought it was mental that Justin was down there and we're all playing and it was really good fun I loved it I just I work quite hard in golf and I think sometimes I'm giving a really long-winded now defensive explanation but also it's quite good sometimes to have the fresh mind of not playing so I can sort of maybe have I can see a bit more clearly what some of the challenges or some of the int intimidation factors might be that we can then maybe try and address because I think that is, has been a big part of golf. Um, it, it can be intimidating if you're not from a family that plays and you don't know the rules and you don't quite understand how to follow uh, the golf, you know, where you're going and what, what happens. It's, it can be quite intimidating. Um, and I think there are quite a lot of barriers to break down. And if I become very comfortable in the environment, then maybe I get a bit sort of um complacent about what those barriers are whereas I try and keep a little bit of a distance so that I can really appreciate okay this I still I still I still feel intimidated walking into this situation or I, I don't really know what what you would should do here and is this really working or what you know so I, I feel like it's quite helpful to keep a bit of a a distance from it but having said that I talk a good game <laughs> and I love the game and I can see all the benefits and I certainly want my kids to have all those benefits of playing. And I love walking around. I mean, I love being out there. Um, so, yeah, ask me again in a year and maybe it'll be a different answer. But I have been a bit stubborn not playing, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's all right. Working in golf is the stereotype that you don't actually get time to play golf. Yeah. What what drives you to support women's golf a question from Kathy and why especially the LET Access series um good question so I think I'm driven to support women full stop in whatever aspect that is 
and golf just happens to be you know the business that I worked in 20 years ago and I've ended up being married to for 17 18 years and I think that's where opportunities present themselves um, for us to see where we might be able to help and so that's really that's really the driver is I feel that we can make a bit of a difference and so we have to it's it's a calling and it's I think really important and um, you know things won't change overnight but certainly with a lot of people pushing in the right direction and I feel that golf really has that now as do many other sports I mean I'm thrilled to follow a little bit of the football and the cricket and the rugby for the women which is really it's gaining so much ground and gaining so much popularity and we are moving in the right direction we've still got a long way to go but you know my mother-in-law Justin's mum I think remembers when Justin was in some amateur events that there were one or two occasions where she had to sit in the car park you know because she was not allowed I mean when you think about the fact that that was in our lifetime and where we are now we have made huge progress are we where we would like to be no but I I also feel it's really important to work collaboratively and not be pointing fingers and to sort of be part of the conversation in a in a collaborative way forward to try and push for equality in golf and but that you know it it does it's full circle that the women need the exposure to be able to have their stories out there to connect and resonate with the fans for the fans to then demand to see them for the tv companies and the journalists to cover them which then give them the coverage that increase the purses increase the sponsorship and increase the, uh, you know, the opportunities for them with sponsorship. So it's really a bit chicken and an egg. Um, so I think it's just you've got to kind of keep pushing in whichever area you feel that you can have influence. This question sort of builds on what you've just said, but this is about um, media coverage. Obviously, the Rose Ladies Open gets some TV coverage, but what more could be done for media coverage of the women's game? Well, <laughs> a lot, actually. And it's a bit of a bugbear of mine, I have to say. I mean, from the beginning, um, I was shocked at how little coverage the women get in golf. And like I've always been honest, before COVID, I didn't really take any notice because, you know, we were, Justin's been trying to be the best golfer he can be. And that's, that's a pretty narrow focus. Um, it was only really COVID where we stopped and looked up and looked around and realised not, you know, not everyone had the same opportunities. But when we did, I can't believe the lack of the coverage, the the timings that it was put on and the BBC was outrageous. I mean, I, I remember writing an op-ed uh, a few years ago about how outrageous it was. And the Ladies British Open just has terrible, had terrible coverage. I mean, Sky does a wonderful job with its coverage, with its commentators, with its staff. But even so, when we got involved, we paid for the coverage. And I, that was a big eye opener to me. I didn't I thought that, you know, Sky covers it. They cover it. But no, we pay a significant amount to be able to get the cameras there. Um, and because then we had paid for it, we then owned the content so we could then put it out on YouTube as well. And that was really important, I felt, because as much as, much as I love the Sky coverage, you are not reaching grassroots if you are only getting this coverage to people who are a socio-economic background where they can afford sky 
subscription month on month? How are we talking about being totally inclusive if we're already from the beginning excluding so many people that can't afford to watch it? So I have a real problem with the coverage and I, I feel that the YouTube was an important part of our coverage to just try and to have a wider reach um also because i have children and certainly our son i mean he he watches a lot on youtube and the social channels and that's really where he's consuming a lot of his media and his sport and his information so that's been quite interesting um so we've we we have had a 30 minute highlights package um and we've really pushed it out on the youtube to try and enable more larger numbers in the public to be able to watch but I think that there's a really long way to go with the coverage. I really do. Um, and I also feel that that's that's an area where we're talking about everyone can play their part. That's an area where maybe the players sort of have to probably it would be nice if they push themselves out of their comfort zones a little bit. And I know from being married to a player how busy your life is and how much there is to do. And you really are just driven to be the best. And so trying to you know have an image or have a, a following is kind of it, it doesn't resonate with everybody that's not what everyone wants to do that's a lot of time and it's a but we need to get to know the personalities and we have to see a bit more to be able to push for that coverage I think that's it's it's really it's all intertwined and the more personalities there are in golf with the ladies the easier it will be to have the coverage and for people to really buy in and really get behind the fact. I mean, look what look what Ricky Fowler did. I mean, look at that. And he his results didn't catch up with him until more recent years, but he was so well known and he became a media darling and part of the PGA Tours little bubble of um preferred players and had all the coverage and what he was able to then earn marketing wise, huge amounts before the golf actually caught up to the extent of his of his profile so it really is important you can see from that you know it, it really drives your own personal brand forward but also drives golf forward as a, as a sport because people want to know the personalities and if you're not a golf fan and, and you and you don't play yourself and you're not really analyzing how they're you know going about their business as an actual sort of a fan who doesn't play so seriously you want you don't have all that you don't have the drama you don't have the team aspect you don't have the pushing and shoving and the fouls and that you don't have that action so it's quite hard in a way to get your personality through the tv or the coverage from just playing great golf so i think that that means it makes it harder but it maybe means there's a bit more effort needed on the social media channels to to promote yourself certainly and that's what you just said is conversations i've had with colleagues about media and and there's definitely things that can change moving on slightly different to the next question you mentioned earlier that you had um time as a gymnast and this question's all about sport and like have you always been into sports um so maybe you could tell us more about that your background there um yeah so i i was a gymnast i did sports acrobatics gymnastics which is a bit more of the kind of Cirque du Soleil circus stuff where you're it's not all it's not the beam and the bars and the equipment that you kind of associate it's just on the floor with music and partnerships so it could be a women's pair or women's three called a trio or a mixed pair or a men's four and it's you do some balance routine where you climb on each other and hold handstands and then you have a tempo routine where it's more throwing people around throwing the little one around doing somersaults so that's what I used to do I did um 
I was the little one till I was about 14, went to the world championships, European championships. And then I did nothing but weight training for six months because I was I was too I was I got too big to be the little, but I was too small to be the big Um, and then became one of the bases. And then I competed for Britain, um, continued to compete for Britain, but in a trio. So I was the base of a women's trio till I was about 17. So I would do the throwing around and having people climb on me. So um, it's really, I mean, it's a great sport. It's still a bugbear of mine that it's not an Olympic sport. I think it should be. I think it's incredible, um, but it's not. It's, so it's sort of the poorer cousin of the gymnastics that people don't know about so much, but it's really exciting to watch. And, and like I always say to Justin, it's a proper sport. <laughs> we always compete about that. But yeah, so I had, um, I trained really intensely to, when I was younger and then yeah and then retired at 17 so there wasn't much I was offered a contract to join a circus in America and some of my friends did do that kind of went that route but I went to university and and um and then and then joined IMG I had a couple of jobs but ended up working at IMG the sports management company and that's how how I met Justin um and yeah then and then the main sports being golf but obviously I've got children so I'm very heavily a football mum and a pony mum at, at the moment. So that is the other big um, time suck. But yeah, so any any sport really, I think, is great. And certainly for women, um, certainly for girls, sorry, I feel really passionately that the more sport they can play through their teen years, the more you can keep off, off the sort of the screens um, or being obsessed with the screens um, the healthier everything is body mind everything and there is a real dip in, in in girls playing sports or being involved in sport when you get to the teen years so I think that's something to be really mindful of and to really try and fight against and try and support girls continuing sport because boys seem to continue sport and that's how they connect with each other and girls, I think socially, they start connecting in other ways. And sport's not such an intense part of that. They're much more conversational and much more relationship and emotional. And while that's all wonderful and important, it, it then takes the focus and the focus away from sport. And that can be a real shame. So I, I'd, I'd love to try and encourage teen, teen girls specifically to either pick up golf or continue with it. Last public question from Tom. Any predictions for this year's tournament? Who is going to win? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a good question. I mean, I I tend not to try and predict. I I don't want to play favourites. I'm I um I love seeing anyone win. Honestly, I love new faces coming through, and that I think is one of our one of our favourite things is us feeling like we are playing a part in that pathway. Um, you know, I'm super excited to see our, our first Rose Lady Series winner, Charlie Hull. Obviously, he's just been selected for the Solheim Cup, mm-hmm. as has Gemma Dryberg, one of our winners, Georgia Hall. So I kind of take real, not pride, that's the wrong word, because it's really nothing to do with me. But I just get, I'm really chuffed for, for women that I've got to know who kind of come through a bit of our pathway and to see them move on I I get really excited by that I mean Lily May Humphrey breaking through and having her first LET LET win um that was really exciting uh I just yeah I just I I like seeing any any of them win anything not just our own events I'm not sure 
give a name, but I, yeah, I can't wait to see and, I, and we'll be there <laughs> to present the prizes. chat to you all day but um it's coming towards the end of this podcast episode now but um as is traditional on the let us golf podcast we always do a little quick fire round at the end we're gonna quick fire some questions and you can answer them as quick as possible okay <laughs> um so first one i always ask um is the dream four ball and that can be with anyone not even in the world of golf and i know you don't play golf but if you were to play, <laughs> play play with three other people who would it be um uh okay so for me I suppose I would say randomly these are quite random Oprah I, I would love to just hear what she has to say um I think Barack Obama I think we have amazing stories and then I know Matthew McConaughey is a big golfer and I've uh, read his book recently and I think he's a really interesting sort of spiritual thinker and yeah, so I think they'd be really interesting. But I think, I suppose, more emotionally, if I really had to, uh, I would say Justin's dad, who I did I did know, but sadly passed away, um, and was obviously Justin's first coach and massive influence. Um, my mum, who passed away when I was young. And I, get, I think my son, Leo, I think that would be my most amazing four ball, to see my son get to know some grandparents, yeah. That would be great. And of course, you've visited some amazing courses with Justin. What's the favourite course that you've played or visited? Um, I mean, it's not going to be a surprise to say Augusta, is it? It's just extraordinary. It really yeah. is beautiful. The, and the whole, I mean, the course is amazing. The, the ambiance is incredible. When you're there, you feel so special to be able to be there. I mean, I, I say it for you, you come out of the pro shop, the merchandise, I mean, it's a joke, but I come, you come out of the merch and everyone's carrying all these bags. And I come out and I say to Justin's mum every year, I feel so lucky that they let me buy this. And she, we just always laugh. Like you, it's like a bit of magic dust there. You feel so lucky. Um, and I think the course also is just so much harder than you can even see on TV, like the undulations and the greens. Everyone who comes says that, oh, my God, this is so much harder you don't you can't see it so much on tv and it looks hard on tv so yeah i i do love that event it's a really special event and i hope we get to go for many more years uh, what never fails to make you laugh oh god what never actually justin yeah he makes me laugh um we're quite i think it's really important to share a sense of humor i think it's a really important uh trait that sort of doesn't go so he can always be silly or make me laugh if something's getting too serious or if I'm getting stressed about something so yeah unfortunately he's not around much so <laughs> it's hard of him to make me laugh when he's never there but yeah we do we do have a giggle and one thing you could change about the sport of golf if you had to <gasps> that is such a good question I don't know if I could say one thing um you might have to edit out this thinking time um, I would like to change accessibility. I don't know how exactly, because obviously you need space and you need golf course and it's hard for everyone to get there. But just feeling for people to feel 
no intimidation factor about golf to feel that oh yeah let's rock up let's give it a go that's fine rather than feeling well I haven't got the right clothes I don't know the right rules I haven't I don't know how it works I'm going to get told off you know I think intimidation factor would be nice I don't have an answer for that I just think that would be that would make a really big difference well thank you for joining us in the podcast and one last thing I always ask the players to finish with their best advice to a player that maybe want to play. But what's having followed Justin um, for many years at at the top of his game, what would be your advice? Um, I think you've got to have a lot of self-belief. I think there's a lot of talent out there. And I think at the top of any sport, everyone out there has got the talent. I mean, everyone's got it. So I think the, the difference is in your mind. And I think with golf specifically, with the lifestyle, the fact that you are the fact that it's a a solo sport and you're traveling, you don't have the same support network that a team has, a basketball team, a football team, anything else. You don't have your your teammates to pick you up if you're having a bad day. You have to really you have to really have that inside. You have to have a lot of resilience and you have to continually believe. I mean, even when Justin's had bad times, you know, he's always felt that it, it's just around the corner or, you know, it, it's it's close. He's working on something. He might not be getting the right results, but he, he knows what he's working on. It just hasn't come to fruition. So you've got to kind of have that long term perspective that you believe in what you're doing. You believe in your 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 plan of action, even if you're not getting the results. And 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 you've got to have a good mind game. I mean, he missed the first 21 cuts of when he turned pro. It was pretty tough when he was 17 years old. But even he turned things around and it became a game of, OK, well, this 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 week I only missed the cut by four. Last week I missed the cut by five. But this week I only missed it by four. I'm moving in the right direction of this. You know, so you've got to kind of make be able to play with your mind a little bit and and you've got to be quite disciplined with the story that you allow your mind to tell itself because it's powerful. Thanks very much for that advice. It's really, really, really good advice um, for our players and hopefully younger women wanting to get into professional golf listening to this. Um, Thanks very much for joining us today. I hope you had fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm very honoured to have been asked. And I'm very much looking forward to the Rose Ladies Open now. Yes, look forward to seeing you. (laughs) All right. Thanks for having me, Olivia. Bye. Thank you all for once again tuning in to the Let Us Golf podcast. And a big thank you for this week's guest, the brilliant Kate Rose, for sharing with us that conversation about the Rose Ladies Open this year its origins its intentions but also enlightening us about where the inequalities are in the women's game and what we can do it's going to be a great event at brocket hall starting on the 7th of september so i urge all you listening to follow all the action on the lt access series on that lt access series on instagram tiktok and twitter and lt access series on facebook to find out more information about the tournament visit our website ltaccess.com And crucially, to get your free tickets to the event, visit roseladiesopen.co.uk and it has further instructions. Please do come if you can. 
Well, as always, I've really enjoyed that chat. And if you're listening to me now, you must have done too. So please show your appreciation by clicking that subscribing button or reviewing or rating this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your podcast to give the series a boost and help others find it. But not only that, raising the profile of our fantastic players. I'll be back next week with another inspirational guest. So see you then.